Hello and welcome to the In the Ring Pedigree Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatal, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. We've got a really fun show for you today, sort of a weekend preview. We're going to be talking about the Eclipse Awards, the Pegasus Stakes, and then we're going to be bringing in at the very end Sean Tugel and Stablemates owner Lou Mazzarelli to talk about this new Stablemates partnership that's closing later this month. But we're going to start things off by talking to two of the three hostesses for this year's Eclipse Awards. And now, after some technological misadventures, I'm very happy to welcome back to the In The Money Airwaves uh, two good friends, Gabby Gaudet and Brittany Erton. Gabby, we'll start with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Pete. It's been a little bit of a whirlwind, but uh, we're hanging in there. We're really excited for the week ahead. <laughs> Excellent. And Brittany, how was your trip in from the West Coast? When did you arrive? That trip in was great. Arrived. Sunday night and kind of hit the ground running. It's been fun thus far. And I got to say, we're celebrating Miss Gabby's birthday today. So we're all in a good mood. I had heard that and I had it on my list of things to wish you a happy birthday. You get in this industry, sometimes you get working birthdays, but you just try to make them work for you, I guess. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, my sister, her birthday's in July, mine's in January. It was always cold. Nobody wanted to do anything during my birthday. And now <laughs> it's the busiest time of the year <laughs> as an adult. So it's just funny how that works out. At least you have some sunshine now. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'm super envious about that sunshine because let me tell you, I was just outside here in New York and it is frigid and I am reconsidering my decision to stay in New York for the Eclipse Awards. Of course, I I will be watching on television and the broadcast sounds like it's going to be something pretty special this year with you two hosting along with Acacia Courtney. Uh, I'll ask Gabby this question first. When did this idea first come up about having the, uh, the try host for this year's Eclipse Awards? It was over a month ago, maybe two months ago. Uh, we were all contacted um, by Amy and the team uh, at the NTRA. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been something that's been going on for the last couple of months and, uh, we're really excited for it. Yeah, unfortunately, Jeannie wasn't able to make it this year. So I'm not quite sure when the idea came in for the team to have three co-hosts, but yeah, about, about a month ago. And I think Gabby and I've had long talks about it. I'll be completely upfront. I was very nervous and a little hesitant to jump on board in the beginning, but what was it you said to me? Uh, anything that scares you is probably something you should do. Yep, <laughs> it's worth doing. That's right. Famous last words, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I totally believe that's true, though. Sometimes when you take yourself out of your comfort zone, that's when the the fun stuff happens. I'll, I'll dial into that a little bit, though. What is it you were you were concerned about, and and how are you feeling as we're on the eve of the actual event now, Brittany? Oh goodness! Now I'm feeling even more nervous. Thanks for that, Pete. Um, <laughs> It's no secret that it's a tough room. Um, and with most of the awards virtually a lock for certain horses, there's not too many surprises, right? So most of the time people want to come in there. They want to catch up with maybe uh, those that they haven't seen in a while, get the award, and then, you know, kind of get the night over. It's known for being a very long night, very drawn out. And so for me, I was hesitant to go into a realm that I just 
wasn't experienced in. I haven't hosted anything like that before. So there were a lot of nerves of, of the unknown, but it's also such a prestigious night. It, it is the biggest night for horse racing. It is our Oscars. So um, to be asked is a, is a real honor, but thank goodness I've got Gabby and Acacia to lean on. <laughs> I think, and to echo kind of what Brittany's saying as well, you know, it's it's a different skill set to um, be in broadcasting and, you know, talk to a camera, so to speak, uh, versus a room of clanging dishes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> public speaking can be more challenging and you really have to, you know, work the room and it's just a completely different skill set. Neither of us are too familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was where we were a little bit apprehensive. Uh, but like I said, it's just another a skill to kind of add to the list. Yeah, to work on. Well, muscle mm-hmm. to work. Yeah. I like that attitude very much. You talk about uh, expanding the the skill set, Gabby. That's a good segue into something I had on the list to ask you about. I hope you're not sick of talking about it yet. Making history last week, being on the podium at the Keeneland Sales. What did that experience mean to you? And uh, how how do you feel about it looking back in the next you week? You killed it. <laughs> I was I haven't been that nervous in a very long time I will be completely honest I kind of like had to go into the bathroom and like talk myself uh off of a ledge uh, in the in the bathroom mirror but um I was nervous just because again that's something that's very foreign to me it's uh, there's a lot of pressure too not only not only being a, a female and doing it, there's a lot of pressure outside of it. I mean, sure. you know, it's your responsibility. It's a, Kaylin is a sales company and it's your responsibility to do a good job up there too. And, uh, represent the consigners, sell the horses. Um, so there's a lot of responsibility and it just goes so quickly, Pete, like it was difficult. I find my confidence in preparation and it, it was something that was really difficult to prepare for. You just kind of have to sit up there and go uh, and play off the auctioneer and just what's happening um, in, in that very moment. So I was nervous. It was fantastic, though. I, I had so much fun up there once I finally got the nerves out of the way. That's great. And you did a great job. I know a lot of people listening to this show appreciated it. It became a real social media moment as well. Looking forward again to this broadcast, Brittany, what can we expect to be the the tone of the proceedings? I assume you guys have had some rehearsals or have a, a, a rundown at least at this point. Uh, we do have a rundown. Thanks to Amy Zimmerman. She's been very much so on top of that. We have a rehearsal in about an hour 45 and then a, again, a rehearsal, full rehearsal tomorrow but i think our our motto of the night is short and sweet yeah because again it's a long night there are a lot of uh, wonderful awards to get through and we don't want to take away any time from the recipient getting the time to thank whoever was a part of the team that you know made these incredible performances from these horses possible so for us we're there more so to direct the ship you know kind of keep the train on the track we're not going to try and be Ricky Gervais or Tina Fey or Amy Poehler <laughs> as much as, uh, you know, I love what they do because that's 
really not what we're there for tomorrow night. We're there to get things kicked off and keep it running smoothly. It's hard. And you can talk to our mutual friend, Nick Luck, and understand what happens when you do make amazingly funny jokes to that particular room. You're not necessarily going to move the needle the way it should, though you can rest assured people like me were howling at home. But speaking of previous hosts of the event, have uh, have either of you spoken to Janine, who always does such a great job, or somebody like Nick, who had the experience a few years ago? Or did you sort of start uh, anew with your approach to this year's event? We kind of started anew uh, just because it's a completely different, I think it's a different way of running it this year. Yeah. It's less of a host-led show. Right. So we, I didn't reach out to Janine. Uh, I don't I don't believe I, any of us did, but we did kind of go back and watch previous shows and, and read previous rundowns just to get a little bit of an understanding. But obviously, um, keeping in mind that we're going to have take our own approach uh, leading into this year. I spoke with Nick a bit about it, and I think that the big theme is don't try to be funny, have fun. Um, and there's a big difference, and I think that's our, our goal is we want everybody in the room to have a great night, enjoy themselves. We all have an incredible passion for racing and hope that that comes across. And what I'm really looking forward to, and I know Amy is as well, is the Never Eclipse campaign. That was launched to honor the off-track thoroughbred. So there's that common thread that really, at the end of the day, we're all here because of the horse. I'd like to talk a little bit more about this campaign specifically and that idea, which means so much to us at the show as well. Is that a, a, I'm trying to think back to past broadcasts. I feel like this is a pretty new idea to bring the importance of taking care of these horses in their retirement as front and center as you're planning to do this year has always been a focus on aftercare but it's really taking center stage this year with that social media campaign and um so many people from across the country got involved it was great to see all of these photos i know you and i both got involved with each, each of our own off-track thoroughbreds that we know it was incredible and just to see um how many different off-track thoroughbreds what they're doing so many different disciplines you know they can go from we saw people share photos of horses who are now really good show jumpers or dressage horses um, or even, you know, maybe a pony in the backyard that's really special to a little girl or something, you know, like it, it was very diverse. And I think everybody's just so proud of the response that it got too. One of my favorite aftercare stories involves a horse player, Michael Baychuk, who won the NHC back in whatever it was, 2012, thanks to a claiming horse at Golden Gate named Glorious Dancer. And he ended up claiming and eventually retiring Glorious Dancer, who's now a successful polo pony. I love that story because not only showing the possible paths to a future these horses have after their racing days are over, but also the idea of horse players who want to give back, especially when you have a big score. And obviously not everybody's going to be in a position financially to actually uh, claim and retire a horse, but that's why it's so great. We have organizations out there like the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation who help uh, facilitate doing the right thing by these horses and giving horse players a way specifically to, to give talking about what you're looking forward to in the, the show itself uh, in awards terms. Do each of you have maybe one award in particular you're looking forward to either seeing how it turns out or just a horse you're really excited about seeing honored. I know you're, you have something in mind, Brittany. Well, I've got obviously a vested interest in two year old male. Um, my family comes out 
tomorrow and the owners of Storm the Court. They're just really thrilled to even be a finalist. Um, the Breeders' Cup victory was surreal, to say the least. And to be a finalist for, you know, an Eclipse Award for two-year-old male is, is pretty remarkable. So I know they're just excited for the night. I'm very nervous about that as well. Um, but aside from that, I'm really looking forward to Turf Female. Mm-hmm. I think you've got three finalists that have put together incredible resumes for the last year. I really don't have the slightest clue who's going to go home to it. <laughs> do you yeah, have, neither do I. No, do honestly, you have a we don't. We, we, we chose, we did not want to know who won any of these categories. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a vote, who would it have gone to? I'll put your feet to the fire here. Oh, well, both of us do have votes. So well, I, I'm fine go. in mentioning who I put on top. I um, put Uni. I, I think she and Dot Stormy had wonderful campaigns in 2019, but I just gave Uni the edge because she did it on the Breeders' Cup stage. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, the, the things that uh, they accomplished, both of them individually, uh, this past year were absolutely tremendous. But I did uh, go with Uni over Dot Stormy as well. And there's a, a case to be made for Sister Charlie mm-hmm. as well. Perhaps it wasn't her day on Breeders' right. Cup Day, but talk about what she did prior to that. Sensational man. Amazing campaign for sure. I'm with you. I really like the idea of giving a little bit of extra weight to the Breeders' Cup itself. If I view uh, certain grade ones, I might view as worth uh, you know 2x when I'm looking back. Back in the day when I was working for DRF, I got to vote n- not so much this year. But the Breeders' Cup in particular is one of those that's worth to me like at least two grade ones in the big picture, if only because it's so great to see how things can get settled right there on the racetrack. But of course, different people have different ways of looking at it. That's part of the fun and part of what we're going to see on this show um, tomorrow night. Gabby, another moment you're particularly looking forward to in the broadcast. I'm just really looking forward to the night as a whole. I mean, it's been, it's been a very unique year. Right. And just kind of getting to reflect on that and really tying a bow on the year and just being able to honor all of the tremendous performance that we saw both equine and human. I mean, the, you know, the finalists for jockey of the year, each individually had exceptional, I read Ortiz, you know, Javier Castellano had such an incredible year, Jose Ortiz too. Um, So yeah, I think just a night, the night as a whole, I think really looking forward to celebrating the achievements of this past year. There's no doubt it's been, it was a difficult year, 2019 was. So I think being able to look back, acknowledge the challenges, but also reflect on the positives and the powerful performances that we have and to have everybody in the room to celebrate those performances. Hopefully it'll be fun. I I just want to get through it. (laughs) (laughs) What is the best way folks at home can, uh, can follow along? What are the broadcast plans? TV Juice got it. Yep. TV Juice is going to be showing it all night and a special, I think, red carpet too. Yes. Before. I think there are going to be red carpet interviews prior to that. I believe Kate and Bradar is on duty for that. So TV will have it. And I'm sure uh, Twitter will be ablaze as soon as each, announce, uh, each winner is announced. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to taking part in that and watching you guys. I guarantee you're going to do a fantastic job. And thank you so much for taking time out of what's obviously a super busy day to come on here to talk to me and the listeners as well. Anytime, Pete. Thanks so much for having us.
And now I'd like to welcome to the show the third of the three-headed hostess for this year's Eclipse Awards, Acacia Courtney. Acacia, what's going on? Oh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks in uh, preparation for the Eclipse Awards and, of course, Pegasus World Cup this weekend, but it's, uh, it's a good kind of busy, and it's really fun to be part of it all. Well, we got mostly the lowdown on the show from Gabby and Brittany a little bit earlier in the program, but I did want your perspective as well. How excited are you for this show? It's a huge honor. I mean, this is racing's version of the Oscars. It's one of the biggest nights in racing. It's really special as we celebrate excellence in our sport. And I think that this is a special year in particular because 2019 was a year full of so many highs and lows. Of course, that's always the case, but I think it was really much more in the forefront this year. And we've done a lot of new things um, throughout the year, and we're kind of highlighting that in the Eclipse Awards as well. Aftercare and X-Ray Sources will play a big part in the show, and that'll kind of be an overarching theme, which is obviously really huge for me, as Aftercare is a big part of my life and my organization that I run, and with how I got into racing in the first place. So I'm really honored to be part of a show that's highlighting the thoroughbred in so many different ways. Let's talk about your charity for a minute. That's something that I know a lot of people know about, but maybe some listeners out there need a a little bit more details about, and it is so germane to this year's show, as we talked about earlier as well. I'm such a huge proponent of putting this issue front and center. How did you get involved? What's the latest uh, with your organization? So I actually, as I mentioned, just got into racing through the avenue of work with aftercare. I was 16 and I had kind of started to learn a little bit about what happens to some racehorses when their racing days are over and about those who could end up in a bad situation. And I just wanted to do something to help. And I went to the Suffolk Downs backside. I'm from Connecticut. And I adopted my first OTTB. And she was kind of the catalyst. And my parents encouraged me to do it the right way. I filed for 501c3 status. And that was more than 10 years ago. And just this past year, 2019, was a big year for me as well as my organization, Racing for Home, which I run with my mother, Sherry, was granted national accreditation by the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. So that was a huge goal for us and something really big to be just one of 74 organizations accredited by the TAA. And it really has allowed me to be a lot more vocal and be a lot more uh, focused on aftercare, which has always been a part of my life. And over the last 10 years, it has become a much bigger conversation. And I think we as an industry still have a lot more to do. But I'm really thrilled with the progress that we've made. And I'm very proud to be a part of that. It's a great answer and, and something that I know I was impressed by when I heard about the existence of, and it's great you'll get a chance to be uh, to, to, to be part of this team coming up on the Eclipse show. What is it going to be like? How are you anticipating working in this unusual uh, tri-host situation? It is. This is the first time that we'll have three people as the host, but it's, uh, it's really special to kind of be marked as a future generation of the world of racing and it's it's very cool for me to be part of that because I was first part of the Eclipse Awards I think it was 2015 I was uh, Miss Connecticut at the time and I was kind of just on the outskirts of racing just getting started in it and so now to 
be one of the co-hosts five years later. It's, it's really kind of wild to think about it. Uh, so we had a big rehearsal today going over everything and looking ahead to the weekend. And it's been awesome getting to work with the team. C.D. Uh, Hieronymus from Keeneland and Keith Chamberlain, the MCRA, and primarily Amy Zimmerman, who's been behind the scenes and spearheading this whole thing and making all, sure that all of us feel really comfortable and just every single person that's part of it has been so great to work with and many of whom I've worked with before in, in different facets of the racing industry. But uh, I, I'm really excited about it. I come from a background where I'm one of those weird people that actually really enjoys public speaking and obviously <laughs> it's a little, bit, a little bit different, but I've emceed quite a few pageants and charity events in my day um, with a co-host sometimes solo. We're definitely looking forward to getting a chance to see that. And that is a very different uh, uh, perspective to bring to this specific role than either of your, <laughs> your, your co-hosts who we, we talked about before a yeah. little bit uh, out. I don't want to say out of the comfort zone, but, but stretching the comfort zone sounds like this is very much in yours. And that's very cool. <laughs> As for the show itself, what uh, is there a particular part you're looking forward to? I think that the never eclipse. A social media campaign that we're going to be showcasing three vignettes of uh, Never Eclipse in the actual show. So um, the Eclipse Award and the NCRA asked for people to submit photos of their OTTDs using the hashtag Never Eclipse. And they got thousands of entries from all over the world, which is amazing. And I know that me and my mom and a bunch of uh, clients that we've worked with and uh, people that we've adopted OTTBs out to submitted their photos and a lot of them made it into the show and I'm really looking forward to that because it's something new to this year's show and we celebrate excellence that's the goal of the night and these people and horses and connections who receive these awards on Eclipse Awards nights are so deserving but I do think it's such a important and powerful reminder that these horses are, are so valuable to us at whatever level they are, and even if that's in a new career. I'm very excited to see that part of the show, too. Now, while we have you here, I know uh, in addition to uh, hosting the awards, you've been having to spend a lot of time, I would imagine, grinding over this form and looking at these races and getting ready to do your analyst job. So I want to make you talk about the big races on Saturday, at least for a minute. I'm of the belief that in the Pegasus World Cup, we're going to get to see Omaha Beach put on a show before he heads off to his new career. I'm curious to get your perspective. What are you thinking we're going to see on the racetrack in this year's Pegasus? Well, historically, and it's still a very young race, but as of now, the Pegasus has actually been relatively formful. But we've seen some really big prices hitting the board as well. So the more I look at this, this race, Omaha Beach will be very, very tough. And I, from a fan standpoint and a personal standpoint, I would love to see him go out a winner. I would love to see um, the patience that the connections have shown with this horse rewarded. And I think he really has done a lot of the right things, shipping in early to Gulfstream and getting acclimated to the surface, training multiple times over this track. And he's been kind of the media darling because of that as well. But uh, like I said, I feel like there are some prices you have to look at as well. I'm really intrigued by Pax. I think he's going to get a very good trip in here. Um, he's one who he's 
he actually ran a really sneaky good race in the Discovery last time out, and I think you can be forgiving of the Travers with the outside post, but his Jim Dandy win was excellent, and again, I think just tactically speaking, he's going to have a bit of an advantage as well. And, um, and as far as the turf does go, Magic Wand will be the morning line favorite, given the fact that she was stuck into bricks and mortar in this race last year. And um, there's uh, actually, in fact, speaking of bricks and mortar, three for Chad Brown, and one of the ones I'm most intrigued by without parole ran huge in the Breeders' Cup for his first start. But I'm really curious as to what kind of performance we're going to get from instilled regard, who I really think hasn't yet shown us his best. Some very interesting thoughts there. What did you think? I imagine it made some news down there. The interesting jockey booking with without parole, reuniting <laughs> with Frankie DeTori, with whom he shared Royal Ascot uh, glory, uh, whatever that was, not this year, but the year previous. Did that yeah. did that make a splash? And what do you what do you think of that booking? Well, definitely. And Frankie's been great. He's been part of the Pegasus World Cup the last few years. Uh, he rode uh, Mexican superstar Kukulkan last year in the Pegasus Dirt. Um, and he's, he said he loves being part of these big races. He loves coming down to this big event. And it is really cool, actually, without parole, who ran most of his career with John Dodson, a legendary and just iconic trainer, and seeing him off a layoff in his first U.S. start, first start with Chad Brown, run so well in the British Cup Mile last time out. Um, and I had actually used him at the Breeders' Cup because I just was enamored with how he looked training. So seeing him with Frankie back aboard, and he's going to be stretching out in distance a little bit. He's kind of been more of a typical miler. So we'll see how he handles the trip, but we know he's got the right pilot. Magic Wand is such an interesting horse. What a tough customer, especially by modern thoroughbred standards. As excited as I am, every time I get to see her race, I'm equally excited to see what she does in her future career. I just feel like she has all the attributes of a great broodmare as well. Difficult posts, tough competition this time around. What do you think we're going to see from her? Yeah, she unfortunately is all the way to the outside, which in a turf race of this distance, it's not as key as in the dirt race, which is nine furlongs and so short into the first turn. But it's still, it's no bargain for her to be outside there. So she ran so big last time. I've watched last year's Pegasus over a few times, and she was really tenacious. Not to mention, she's shipped really well before, and a lot of Aiden O'Brien horses do but she also ran second to bricks and mortar in the arlington million and was only beaten i think it was three quarters of a length and she is very gusty and she really is kind of like a throwback mare so i'm i'm just really glad that they're sending her i really applaud her connections for bringing her over for this race and um i hope that she gives us the kind of gusty performances that she seems to consistently give us because it's really special to have her here I can't wait to see it. It's going to be a great night on Saturday. It's going to be fantastic stuff with the whole festival, really, atmosphere that's <laughs> taking place out there between uh, with, with all the exciting stuff going on, including the big handicapping contest. Anything else from a racing point of view this weekend that you're particularly looking forward to seeing before we let you get out of here? Well, I think just in general, the electricity of of – the whole day. Yes, there are two big Pegasus races, and uh, they're only part of a group of nine stakes on the day. There's 12 races total. 
the card is always sensational, and I'll admit I was in a clips award rehearsal, so I've not yet been able to sit down and look through the undercard stakes. But just seeing the unveiling of future stars, the crowd that comes out, and how eyes are really fixated on on our equine athletes and our equine celebrities, if you will. So it really is a very special day in racing, and if you're interested in the betting the mandatory payout for the rainbow six will be the day after on sunday january 26th so come on and dive right back in (laughs) that's a great note that within all the excitement i hadn't even noticed i'm so glad you mentioned that because we have uh you know plenty of horse players in the audience who will be taking a look those mandatory days always offer some interesting opportunities and we'll get a chance to tune in and see what happens there acacia i can't wait to see you on the screen with your uh, with your co-hostesses and this is just going to be a fantastic weekend and boy i mean i just want the audience to know on it i i this you probably had 15 minutes free all day and you chose to spend them with (laughs) us and we all appreciate it well thank you very much and uh thanks Thank you for all the kind words. I'm really looking forward to this week, and as always, I appreciate it. Good stuff, folks. How cool was that to have uh, Gabby, Brittany, and Acacia all on talking about this show that promises to be so much fun. Before we get out of here today, I want to bring in the usual co-host of this show. He's been running around doing so many things. I figured I'd do the first part of the show myself, but we didn't want to let the opportunity pass to bring in Sean Tugel of Windstar Farm. Sean, what's going on, man? Oh, uh, down in Ocala, Pete, trying to find out who the next uh, leading freshman sire is going to be for 2020. Uh, pretty exciting group down here. Certainly, Windstar's got four very exciting. First, uh, Stallions with two-year-olds, Exaggerator, Tourist, Outwork, and Spitester. So, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's 30 degrees down here, and uh, the Floridians are extremely cold. It's... it's Iguanas are actually falling out of the tree. I that's, read that's something about story. that. Was that real? Yeah. Was that real? Yes, but they don't die. They freeze, but they don't die. And when the sun comes out, they, they come back to life. Some it's, sort it's, of Walt yeah. Disney uh, 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 iguana situation. I don't know what's going on, but there, it, I'm happy to hear the iguanas are okay. I'm happy to hear that you and the Floridians are okay. We talked a little bit with Gabby about that historic experience she had last week being the the first woman on the pavilion at Keeneland with the sale. What were your general impressions of, of the sale? What did you think of that moment in particular? Well, certainly um, I was actually in the pavilion and I was walking around as uh, I do probably about a hundred times a day is I make that little loop around the, the outside of the, of the ring there, the hallway and and uh, in November, usually you have some paintings to look at that kill some time every once in a while. But uh, I was walking, and I was like, you know, and, and, and a lot of times you do pay attention to that. You, you hear the voices, you know, so you kind of recognize a lot of the voices. And was walking, and I was like, that's Gabby. <laughs> and I was like, and it was, it stopped. She sounded fantastic. Like, it was pretty neat because it was like, I personally didn't know that it was, that she was the first. I mean, I, 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 would it, it doesn't you know don't want to say it, it doesn't surprise me but but I you know I certainly thought that she very well could have been the first and, and it ended up being that it, she was but I was like damn that's pretty cool and uh, and she did a great job and she was smooth and sounded great and and you know like later that day when everybody was tweeting I, I you know I had watched the video a couple of times and was like you know holy cow like she's like natural for being her first time certainly she's she's fantastic on air. But I mean, she got up there like a champ, and 
and didn't miss a beat. So I mean, it, it was pretty cool. It was it was it was neat. It was neat how you know something new that happened in the industry, and it's it's uh, you know records can be can be broken on the racetrack and sales ring on sales podium. So so it was cool. I like this youth movement we've got going on. We've got Gabby uh, helping sell horses at Keeneland. We've got three young women hosting the Eclipse Awards with this uh, new focus this year on on aftercare at the Eclipse Awards. I'm super excited by a lot of the the developments. It's it's interesting in a in a very trying time for the inter- industry. It's interesting to see what innovations can come of it, and it does give me you know we we don't we don't pull punches here. We've talked about a lot of the negative stuff over the course of the past year, but it's nice to have some reasons for optimism about the future as well. The unfortunate things that do happen in, in every single industry and business, no matter whether it's horses or any other business, you know, there's unfortunate situations that occur and, and those, you know, should be talked about and, and looked at, but we shouldn't be afraid to, to sound the horn loudly when uh, good things happen. There's plenty of good things happening and uh, certainly I think, you know, the Eclipse Awards and, and the unique uh, hosting uh, triumvirate that they'll have out there. Uh, I think that's going to be pretty exciting. And, and certainly, look, it's Pegasus Lasix free. I mean, that's, I think that's another thing that uh, should be should be discussed in, in depth. I mean, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's something I think uh, a lot of the industry has wanted, you know, or, you know, you've heard about it for, for many, many years. And, and uh, so here we are. Many good things happening uh, this coming weekend. I wanted to ask you about that, the LASIK situation. Now, we are in a situation where we have horses who've proven themselves running well, not on LASIK in some of these races, but how much does it, if at all, change the way you're going to be studying the form for these big races? I mean, the issue is, 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 is because they've always gotten it, is you don't know who actually needs it and who doesn't. So, um, you're, it, you know, you're, if you're handicapping it and, uh, you're certainly, uh, you know, going into it blindly, but uh, I th- I think you know horses if they're fit and they're at this level and they don't they don't need that anyway. So uh, so certainly uh, I expect all the horses to be pretty formful. Not something you're going to be putting in as a major uh, handicapping factor, but it is interesting. I don't know. It's it does make me feel a little more confident if I decide to have a bet on without parole, for example, or you know, Magic Wand, just so tough. I'm I'm not thrilled, of course, about that post for her. We'll have to see what happens with the prices, but it's going to be. I'm excited about the turf race. I'm obviously excited about the dirt race, where I fully expect Omaha Beach to put on a show, as I mentioned to Acacia, and uh, he just doesn't vibe like a horse who needs the Lasix to me. No, and, and certainly I think maybe maybe you know if if you were looking at it, uh, you know horses that are based there, uh, maybe maybe that could be an advantage to them. Just they they've been training and racing in that environment uh, for weeks and months. So, but you know Omaha be shipped in early. So um, I, I think it's going to be a great great day of racing, and, and certainly uh, like you said, Magic Wand. I think that's the big question. She certainly has the class, but uh, she needs to she needs to get her nose out in front to to, to win a race. So uh, quite the quite the storylines that could come out of the weekend as well. It's going to be fun to see. All right, we've got one more guest, but I'm going to ask you a question to help set up this last guest that we're about to bring in because this is a perfect example of how racing can cultivate new enthusiastic owners, the exact people that we need to to help uh, inject 
some life into the game as we go forward. Sean, I know you're involved in Windstar's Stablemates partnership. You've got an offering out that I think is closing in short order. I wanted the listeners to have a chance to hear about this to potentially get involved. Talk a little bit about this Stablemates partnership for a minute, and then we're going to bring in uh, Lou Mazzarelli to talk about his experience and his time in the game. Yeah, well, you know, I think Lou will uh, Lou will, will be able to, to really go in depth about it. He's a member uh, of, of the program, and uh, it you know it's it's something that uh, we use a little bit. It, you know, down in Australia, there's a lot of partnerships, and and it's very affordable. And uh, you know, I haven't been down there, but we participate down there, and and a lot of the people that come back from there, you know, talk about how the every everyday person owns racehorses down there. It's like just a national obsession. You know, I do think we're always talking about how to get new ownership into our industry, and and, and at Windstar, you know, we we also you know that's something we 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 think about as well because we, you know we we need new owners. We we breed a lot of horses and we sell a lot of horses, and and uh, without owners, uh, you know, we wouldn't have a game. So uh, about three years ago, we started a, a new racing partnership syndicate where it was a very affordable um, entry level uh, ownership kind of um, program. Uh, this year we have 19 fillies. We do it is open for for new members. Um, we have a couple spots left, and that does close the end of January. But uh, there's 19 fillies. We have the Grade Two winner, Coach Rocks, who uh, is now with Todd Pletcher. We bought for four hundred fifty thousand dollars. She's uh, in the syndicate, so by sign up, you're automatically a, a, a part owner of a Grade Two winner, um, a Bounding Joy, who's who's a, a very quality. Quality Road Philly, uh, five-year-old just ran second in Interboro Stakes at Saguaro Road. Uh, she's with Bill Mott. That was on Monday. We have the promising Medallion Doro Philly, um, New Day Donnie with Rudolph Brissett, who's who looks like she could be a, a high-class three-year-old Philly uh, this coming spring. There's 19 in total, six uh, very well-bred two-year-old Phillies that uh, we just had a naming contest. If you're part of the this, the group, you get the you get a chance to, to name these horses. So. Um, they're by Spitestown, they're by, uh, they're by Nyquist, they're by Into Mischief. Uh, you know, so the total package of Bloodstock is, is worth $2.5 million. But for $7,500, you get to buy in and, and be a part owner of, uh, of 19 of these fillies. Um, you, get, you get access to these horses uh, at the farm. We host events at the farm. We get, get you tickets when the horses are running. We host events at Saratoga and Keeneland. Um, so it's just a great way for, for someone who's a, who's a fan and, and maybe considering horse ownership down the road or just is, is a racing fan and, and is, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily have the financial means to, to go into Keeneland and, and buy 19 race fillies at, uh, you know, an average of $250,000 a place. So, um, it's access and it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's, we want to build ownership. We want people to be able to see and feel what it's like to be a racehorse owner. And, and it's our third year. We made uh, $352,000 in earnings last year. We went at 28%. And uh, we've probably got our biggest and best offering uh, this season. So uh, we're very excited for it. But, uh, you know, we just, on this program alone, you know, I think another goal of ours is is, is to get, get it out there about, being you know there's there's all kinds of ways to be involved in, in the horse business and uh you know sometimes from the outside looking in it can be very daunting or overwhelming but uh this is a great way to to get on board see what it's like and 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 have some fun and you know show up at saratoga and be a racehorse owner so uh 
anyways, uh, I think Lou, Lou will, will, Lou will absolutely, he's got a passion for it. Like, like no other, I know I've, I've talked to you about him for, for several times and, and, uh, before we get him on, you know, I, w- I had the pleasure of, of spending a morning with him last, uh, summer at, at Saratoga. We had an event for all the members on the Saturday and the next Sunday morning, he just loves it. He's like, can I get out there? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you at six o'clock. Right. So he's out there and we just stand out on the Oklahoma train tracks, but, uh, uh, he just loved it. He, he he knew who all the trainers were, and he just you know you could see the excitement in him. And and uh, you know the only the only thing that he had to bring back to the family to be able to go to the race track in the morning, he had to bring back the empanadas from the uh, cantina truck that goes around the backside. Oh yeah, he he, he loves those. So. That's the good so stuff. As long as he brought him, as long as he brought him back to his kids <laughs> when he got home, he got a free pass to come out and hang out at the track for a couple of hours in the morning. So, uh, but no, he's a great guy, and and uh, and I'm certainly. Uh, this will be a great, great, great uh, conversation for anybody listening who, who, who has any desire to be a, be a racehorse owner. All right, let's bring him in right now. And now I'd like to welcome to the show the aforementioned horse owner, Lou Mazzarelli. Lou, what's going on tonight? Pete, what's going on? Sean, how are you? Great to talk to you guys. Big fan of the ITM empire that you're building. Oh, my Love it goodness. All. Oh, you know, flattery will get you everywhere around here, Lou, so be careful. <laughs> you got it, Pete. I want to talk to you about your time in the game, man. How did you become a racing fan in the first place? I grew up right around the corner from Aqueduct with my grandfather and dad going to the track all the time, uh, you know, collecting tickets on the ground, trying to make money. And um, I loved it. I fell in love with it and then um, really got back to it, you know, after I'm a doctor. I went to medical school and I kind of lost, lost track of the game. And then as soon as I went back to Saratoga um, about 15 years ago now, I just couldn't stop being in love with the game, really passionate about everything about it, learning about it. And the handicapping side started to really interest me. Um, not that I've succeeded particularly in that regard, but nonetheless <laughs> had a lot of fun with it. Um, and I'm learning a lot every day. I mean, you know, shows like yours and Steve Bix have really been instrumental in helping me to become a better horse player. Um, but then I really got involved in, in wanting to be an owner. I just love the beauty of the game, the majesty of the game. I love being around the horses. And uh, I was looking for an opportunity. And, uh, and that's how I kind of came into contact with StableMate. So, you know, actually Saratoga had some incredibly wonderful uh, owner seminars that Ricky Migliori did. And they were wonderful. I mean, they took you to the track, to the backside. You talked to other owners. Uh, Roddy Valenti was there. Linda Rice was there. And I started getting really interested in owning. And then I started looking at opportunities. And I said, you know, what's my price point? And, you know, I kind of toyed around with some of the, the syndicates where the entry, you know, into the market is a little bit higher. And then I said, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And then I got an email, I mean, three years ago around Christmas from the stablemates. And I, I looked at the offering, and I really was amazed at what I was potentially going to become part of. You know, the first year, we were only two-year-olds. So, you know, it was it was a developing year, and, and we were still incredibly successful. I mean, we ended up winning five of the, I think, either eight or nine races that we participated in. And then last year was, you know, was just even that much better because now we had developing horses. I mean, we had two-, three-, and four-year-olds, and we were in the money almost 50% of the time. Uh, and it's just been an incredible experience. I uh, just love being part of a team like Windstars because, you know, you're competing at the highest level. Uh, that's such a good point that I'm glad you made. I almost popped that in with Sean when we were talking about the idea of the partnership. This isn't just getting involved to get a taste and seeing what it's all about. I liken 
a visit to Windstar Farm to visiting the New York Yankees clubhouse. And it kind of pains me to say that as a Mets fan, but just in terms of the uh, being able to see how the game is played at the highest levels. So the idea for an outsider, for a very reasonable price tag in, in this world, to be able to come in and be a part of that, it really is it really is high-level stuff. How about some of the experiences you've had, Lou, in the partnership? Have you been to any of the big race days? Have you gone to the, the meetups at Saratoga or at the farm? Absolutely. I, I've done both, and uh, they've both been tremendous. Um, I, I just, you know, we went, I went to Keeneland for the first time, and walking in the clubhouse at Keeneland, as much as I'm a Saratoga guy and I'm a New York racing guy, was just amazing. I just loved walking in through the clubhouse and experiencing Keeneland and, and going to the farm and having a great day at the farm. I mean, we, we, we toured the entire operation. It was actually just me, my son, and my wife, and uh, Gavin, who was, who was helping us at the time. And he took us to the entirety of the farm. I mean, we saw the stallions. Uh, it was just amazing. I mean, uh, so we got to see the works. And the other thing, I mean, that I really loved, and Sean's been so good to me. I mean, he's called me up when I've been in Saratoga or, you know, in Keeneland. Uh, and said, hey, Lou, do you want to come watch some of the horses work? And I, I, there's nothing like the track in the morning. There's nothing like walking around Saratoga at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning and, and, and watching them work. And, and then the race days have been phenomenal. I mean, my schedule is a little tight with my work, so I don't get to go to the races as much as I want to. Trust me, every time there's a race, I'd love to be there. And I'm always scheming a way to get there. Uh, largely, I don't succeed. But, you know, thankfully, I, I get to watch them all. And a lot of my friends who I meet through the syndicate are going to a lot of them. And I plan on going even more. But the race day experience has been phenomenal. I, I you know, I was lucky enough to be at Aqueduct uh, when, when a horse that actually we don't have anymore was claimed by the name of Saratoga Style. She got put up on a DQ. And I'm telling you, that was so much fun. I mean, you know, I, I didn't see that. I was just happy that she finished second. And so I realized that she was hurt out and then she got put up. But it was awesome. It was awesome. Good group of people, it sounds like, who are involved in this. You've made Incredible. some friendships. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of it is through text and email, but I will tell you, it's incredible how the digital world can bring people together. Uh, I, you know, my closest friend uh, who actually goes to almost every race is, um, is a, a veterinarian from Georgia, and we talk all the time. And, you know, it's just an, it's an amazing relationship that I've developed through the, through the syndicate. And then we have a real great camaraderie amongst the people that are participating in it right now that just love everybody you know they love the horses they love the game and they love the experience i mean you know, windstar when you go to windstar i mean it, it's really a, like buckingham palace it, it's just it's, i would love to live there i mean it's just gorgeous i mean the stables are, are sensational i never want to leave lou i i think um you know you were going you're talking about the, the seminars and everything and I think the one thing, especially with with my generation, who's who's right on the cusp of uh, even having a little bit of, of cash to to play in the game, um, you know, everybody's really everybody gets very nervous by the the financial investment that it takes, um, and and that's something that obviously you know we're aware of, and and we try to you know teach everyone, educate everyone on it, but uh, you know, this as, as you said, I think this is one of those where if you do have have the sensation like you, yourself to get involved, it, it's not that daunting, uh, uh, you know, big chunk of change that you have to put up to to be able to compete at this level. Um, you know, what? How was that for you? I mean, with with yeah, all the, I mean, with that, I mean, 
you know, I, I, I wish I was, uh, you know, uh, an investor like Buffett, but you know, certainly <laughs> what I have learned is that mutual funds are kind of the way to go. And if you're going to tell me, like, for example, this year's syndicate has 19 quality fillies, including a grade two winner, you know, coach rock. Plus we have what I think is a, is some incredibly promising three-year-olds for a reasonable price point. I mean, you know, that, is, and honestly, a lot of that money comes back to you. I mean, you know, even even in our first year when we weren't racing as much and we only had eight wins, we still got a big chunk of change back. Um, and this year, I, I really think, you know, with Sean's leadership, that we're poised to actually have our most successful year by far. I mean, we have some incredible two-year-olds. I mean, I, I'm really excited for some of these three-year-olds. I, I'm a huge New Day Dawning fan. She just broke her maiden at Gulfstream and honestly is, is green and learning, but has tremendous potential. I mean, we had a one-two finish and a maiden at, at Remington Park that honestly, I, I ended up paying for my whole syndicate on that exactor alone. <laughs> I mean, the exactor came back almost 130 bucks, and I, you know, I played it big. Uh, and then we have, you know, we have Champagne Affair, who actually we thought was so, you know, the quality was there that, that she might, you know, be, be the kind to go to Ascot last year, who's back in training. And honestly, we have a half to improbable, um, who I think is turning lights out. Um, you know, she's with Belmont right now. Her name is Redemption Day. She looks like she could be talented. And then we have this other, I'm just going through a couple of horses. So that's how I'm excited about so many of them. But Signify, who's, you know, out of pickaway, who's out of Pivotal. Um, and, you know, Sean enlightened me about Pivotal. I didn't know much about him as a broodmare sire. Maybe I should have. But that's that's some nice, nice, nice pedigree there. And she looks like she's training up a storm at Fairgrounds. So, I'm really excited. And so I think that there's, you know, I know that there's a risky, you know, nature to, to, to the horses, but I'm telling you, if, if I gave you this mutual fund right now, I think you'd be pretty excited about it. So handicapping, who, who do you think will be the best three-year-old failure of the group? Caribbean Sea or New Day Dawning? I, you know, what I, I, I was with you when New Day Dawning worked 34 at Saratoga again, and she was with Talk Boob. And I don't know, I, when I saw that day, I fell in love with her. And honestly, she's maturing. And honestly, uh, I, I know Irad gave her a great, great ride. I love the photo that Sean sent to me of Irad petting her behind before the wire. I mean, Pete, I all picked up on it. I mean, she's just learning. I mean, and she's multidimensional. She's out of Medallia Doro. She can go turf or dirt. She can stretch out uh, easily. And she looks like she's, to me, she could be something special. I think Caribbean Sea has definite talent, no question about it. I think she can cut back or go longer, but um, I think we might be surprised. We have another filly called Paris Lights who, who actually looked really, really great uh, before she got injured. She was gearing up for a start in Saratoga. Um, I was excited about her, and, I, and she came out of her injury looking incredible. She's back to training, and so uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I the one thing I will tell you about ownership, and I realized I fall in love with all my horses, <laughs> and I can't, I can't sometimes disconnect from that. <laughs> Pete, uh, Pete, he brought up we, we did have some uh, fleeting Royal Ascot aspirations last year with with uh, the Daredevil filly that he was talking about that we put in, in Wesley Ward's barn, and he gave us the Wesley Ward pump up for about three weeks. <laughs> uh, but but we're gonna need if we ever make it over there we're gonna need a, a stable mate liaison for for Ascot. Well, I, I would hope well, that you're there to help navigate the uh, the car park. I know a couple of people. Well, I know a couple of people. We might be able to we might be able to arrange a cucumber sandwich and a and a and a well, bottle of fizz. Pete, I'm going to Ascot this year. You are so, fantastic. 
I heard somebody is now part of the Royal Enclosure. Is that true? Can you, can you deny that hey, or, or tell me that's true? It's true. That's, that's, that's because that's because Prince Harry got kicked out, so a spot opened up and he got it. Is that what it is? It was a, it was a straight up Markle for Fornital trade. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I know where to, I know where to get uh, some of my handicapping at Ascot from for sure. Because I know you do such a great job internationally, Pete, as well. So well, thank um, you for that. And we'll yeah. we'll end up meeting up for sure. I mean, uh, there's nothing. I mean, the, the Royals super fun, but there's nothing wrong with the uh, with a good day out in the Queen Anne as well. So we'll, we'll and and then of course the real fun does happen in the car park after. Just as cold as she looks, don't lend you your coat. That that, that that's all I'm saying. But uh, that, we'll, we'll throw that call back in there. Before we let you get yeah, out of awesome. here, Lou, I got, I got an sure. important question for you. How do we find more? people like you in this game what what can we do to attract more people in your exact uh, life situation yeah I, I think we just have to promote the game amongst each other and then i really believe social media done appropriately brings people into the game i mean you know i i've connected with so many people on social media in a positive way um you know met so many friends but honestly if you really want to get on the inside of the game sometimes and feel a little bit different about it I mean, an ownership opportunity like this is really great. And, and you got to kind of get out there and meet people. I mean, just the relationships that I have now with Sean and Windstar. And, you know, I, I've always been a tremendous fan of your show and JK's work and wishing him the best of luck at the NHC. Um, you know, it's just, um, you got to just, we got to just, we got to keep the positivity and the positive energy going. Because there's so many beautiful things about this game that, that can be spoken about. And yes, there's always the negative, but, you know, it's just, that there's it's just a sensational opportunity to really enjoy life and for me I, I need the break from my daily activities so this this does it for me that's well put very well put last question is actually one for Tugel folks who are listening to this they're interested in how to get involved with stablemates it's closing at the end of the month so not a ton of time here Sean where do people go for more information you can go straight to the uh, Windstar Farm uh, uh, website you can uh, send an email to stablemates racing at winstarfarm.com. Um, you can uh, call call the office. It's 859-873-1717. Ask for Aaron Wismer or myself. Uh, and um, and just you know those those are all the ways we can, we can send you the flipbook that has the uh, the breakdown of, of, of the syndicate and how it works, everything you get for it, and uh, the pedigrees and photos of the 19 Phillies. Very exciting group. And uh, it's it's that easy, and then and and you become uh you become part of it, and uh, you know Royal the Coach Rocks is pointing for the for the Royal Delta, uh, in February. She's and so if if you sign up and you and you and you want to get out of the cold weather and you want to head down the Gulf Stream for the Royal Delta, hopefully she makes it there, and uh, you know it's your chance to get in the winter circle maybe. So uh, it's that simple. Kick the season off right uh, like that for sure. Winstarfarm.com. That is the URL to look for more information. Feel free to reach out. Sean, he is, uh, I like to mock him sometimes on this show, but the, the guy knows what he's doing. It pains me to say this, but he knows what he's doing, and, and he is, uh, he's good at his job. So, so feel free to reach out and learn more. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'll, start, we'll, we'll go in reverse order. We'll start off by thanking Lou Mazzarelli and Sean Tugel, Acacia Courtney, uh, Brittany Erton, Gabby Goddat. Really so much fun putting this show together and really looking forward to the Eclipse Awards tomorrow night. 
We'll also thank all of you, the listeners, who really have gotten this show off to a great start. Super excited about doing more and different things on this In the Ring show as this year continues to develop. If you have questions, feel free to reach out on Twitter. I'm at Looms Boldly. You can use the hashtag AskITM. I suppose we should do an AskITR hashtag, but it'll just keep life easy if you ask questions using the hashtag AskITM because I'm always checking that one anyway. Happy to field any questions about any area of the industry, really. And if we don't know the answers, we'll find somebody who does. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. In The Money Media's business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May the hammer drop your way.